0: Who are you? Ah, awesome. Who are you? Yeah, you are. And, and because you're a child of God, there's, it's interesting. Do you remember when you were a teenager? Some of you, that's not hard because you are. But, but do you remember? For some of us, it's very hard. You're right. That was a while ago. You wanted so bad, didn't you? break free of what you perceived as bondage, right? And and to be on your own and and to have the freedom to make your own choices, right? And and then you were one day and 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 how'd that go? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It was it was a challenge. And you discovered that there was this immense freedom in being loved, right? There was this immense freedom in Knowing where the boundaries were, right? There was, it doesn't make sense, but freedom and boundaries, right? But but there's this immense freedom in knowing that, that you are a precious child of someone who could see and understand more than you could ever imagine. And, That's true for us today. Let's come before, now, not our earthly fathers. We're so grateful for them. Some of them are in the room here today. Not our earthly mothers. Let's come before our Heavenly Father, right? And just be children today. Can we do that for a couple minutes? Come before, would you? God, thank you so much for the privilege of knowing you. Oh, God, I'm so grateful today, especially for your immense patience with me. And, God, I'm guessing with us. As, as we sought so much to break out of the precious boundaries that you gave us to help us flourish. God, and many of us discovered as, as we did that, that, that there were dangers and both from without and from within, God, that, that we could never have imagined. And, and there was pain and there was suffering when, when we chose to live as we desired rather than believing and trusting in the precious love of our Heavenly Father. And I think about us as a nation. And I know there's lots of controversy about our origins, but God, it does seem like many of our founding mothers and fathers, God knew you and trusted you and wanted to create an environment. They wanted to create a nation, God, where people from all different backgrounds could gather around the one precious gift they had in common, God, that they could gather as a nation around freedom. And Father, we confess that we have taken that freedom and, and in many ways we have abused it, God. We have used it for our own selfish reasons. We have used it for our own national purposes. Rather than remembering God like you did with the nation of Israel, that if there was a blessing from you for us as a nation, that blessing was to bless the rest of the world. God, we confess that we have exported brokenness and pain and and in many ways sin to the rest of the world. We confess to you that we have wandered far as a nation from our individual identities as children of God. But, God, we heard your word. We hear your word. We know that the end of a story is not yet written. We know that... That at any point, as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community, as a nation, God, we can repent. We can turn from our self-centeredness to a Christ-centeredness that brings blessing and and joy to a, a globe, God. So, today we ask, Your forgiveness as individuals, as families, as a nation, God, forgive us our sins. They are so many, God, by the blood of Jesus, beginning with us as individuals, expanding, God, to our families, to our community, to our nation by the blood of Jesus cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. God, if you would invite us into right relationship with you again. Thank you, God. Thank you whenever your people took the initiative on behalf of the myriad nations in which they found themselves. Thank you whenever they took That initiative, God, through your people, you brought blessing to the world, God. We ask for that again. We don't deserve it. We have no right to. But we believe, God, that that is your desire. So begin with us, God. Even as we come before you today, begin with us. And as we we learned last week, Light that fire in us that becomes a light. Let us be cities on a hill. Let our lives shine in such a way that people glorify you, God. God, thank you that you even privilege us to pray to you together. So in one spirit, in one mind, and one heart we cry out, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sin as we forget those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory of forever. Amen. Amen. Would you open your uh, Bibles or your phones, however you access the Word of God, to Second Chronicles? So we're way up front now in the historical section of um, of the Old Testament. Second Chronicles, chapter seven. The context for this verse was um, interestingly enough, I just as we rededicated our sanctuary. Following the explosion just a few months ago, the context for this was uh, the dedication of the of Solomon's Temple, and and for all the struggles and all the difficulties um, Solomon caused and endured, um, this day God God met him and and gave him words which echo. For upwards of nearly 3,000 years through the ages to us today. In 2 Chronicles 7:14 is a very familiar scripture. God, I'm going to pick it up in verse 13 if I can. God says, "When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locust, isn't that interesting? Um, when I command the locust to devour the land, right? And, and, and continuing, when I send pestilence among my people, wow, wow. If that was all there was, that would be bad news without measure. But he continues, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from there, my people's wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Help me. Oh my goodness. Do we need healing, beloved? Uh, In fairness, there's an intimate connection in Scripture between not just it doesn't just mean nation like I, I was crying out for in my prayer right. Um, it's actually the physical land. The physical land can be um, abused right, and 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 needs healing. And oh my goodness, how our land needs needs healing. So what comfort right? Are you? Are you called by His name, right? I'm called a lot of things. You have called me a lot of things. <laughs> Mostly behind my back. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but before I was ever a Mills, before I was ever an evansvillean before I was ever an American, I'm a Christian, right? Called by the name of God's Son. And so, he's not really speaking. Well, we pray for President Biden. We pray for Vice President Harris. The impact of their lives is going to last for generations. So we need God to to direct their hearts, right? We pray for our governors. We pray for our senators. We pray for our House of Representatives. And we uh, the impact of the decisions they make. How about our Supreme Court? Oh, my goodness. The impact of the decisions that they make have dramatic effects on other people. But, but before all that, right, before all that, God says, I'm not going to change the world by kings and presidents and senators and Congress people, right? I'm going to change the world by my people in the midst of them, right? And so, so on this weekend especially, we, we remember the incredible impact now, not just uh, politicians and, and thought leaders and people in our culture. No, we think of the incredible impact of one solitary woman or man who's called by the name of Jesus. And today we, we listen for God speaking to them, to us to the followers of Jesus. Now, um, I'm going to clean up our passage for two reasons. One, for time. But secondly, because Paul can dish it out. Paul says things which English language tries to clean up, um, but woo, even in English comes out pretty hefty sometimes. But in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, he speaks, he speaks to freedom. And I want to just invite you, I think I'm going to go ahead and read the the whole thing. I'm not sure if we have, um, do we have the whole thing, Kristen? Oh, we do. Good. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. We're only going to deal with about three verses out of this, but I want you to feel the weight and the passion with which the Apostle Paul is speaking to his believers in Galatians. In Galatia. Um 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Doesn't that sound like the Department of Redundancy Department? <laughs> for freedom, Christ has set us free. So there's an implication in there that we're not living into that freedom, right? We've been, we've been set free for freedom. Have you been set free? Are you living in freedom? Right? You start to see, you start to see the theological truth versus the practical one. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, was the issue de jure for them, should believers... Gentile believers who come to faith in Christ follow uh, rules made for Jewish people, right? Including in the in the issue de jure is, is circumcision. I say to you that if you accept circumcision, Galatian Christians, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. Thank you, Paul. Um, I'm thinking as a circumcised male that I just took on the whole 613 Jewish law. and, And here's my out. I don't seek to be justified by the law. I cannot Keep the law; I cannot be justified. It right. You're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. In other words, it's not yet ours. Right relationships with God, not completely ours. Right relationship with one another, not completely ours. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Just note this, in your Bible will come back to it, but only faith working through love. Circumcision doesn't matter. Only faith working through love. You were running so well. Who hindered you From obeying the truth. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, a little bit of sin, a little bit of of misunderstanding leavens the whole loaf of bread. But Paul says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you, the one who is leading you astray, will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross. That's an incredible statement. The offense of the cross has been removed. Have you ever met someone who tried to make... The cross, this nice little thing, right? This nice little thing. Okay. No. The cross is an offense to our understanding. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I'm sorry. That's what he says. Um, those who demand circumcision. Paul says, I just wish they would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom. Earlier he said, you are free. Now he says, you are called to this freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Say it with me. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The very word of God. Ooh, Lord, this is a difficult um, word for us for many reasons. For many reasons. God, but would you somehow shine light through this word to us today. God, we know we were created for freedom, not for oppression. And and yet in so many ways, God, we still lived as those who are slaves to fear, slaves to sin, slaves to legalism. God, we need, we need you today. Shine the light of the gospel through your Holy Spirit in our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's funny, um, I, uh, I'm a dog person, not a cat person, no secret there, right? Um, I have a cat that sleeps on my bed. We have no relationship. Seriously, seriously. But, oh, the dogs that I have loved. Oh, my goodness. I'm teasing you, cat people. I know that it's theoretically possible to have a relationship with a cat. I just have never experienced it. But remember Lily? Remember the dog that every time there was, we thought about her a lot this weekend because there's storm after storm after storm came through. And every time that a storm would come through for Lily, this great big, um, this great big golden doodle who wasn't golden. She would go tuck herself in between the water heater, remember that, and the wall, and start chewing on the water heater. We were laughing because because when the storm when the storm would hit, it might hit in the middle of the night. We would jump up in bed. We would look at each other, and go Lily. And we would run down the stairs to try and keep her from the water heaters. The uh, Karen was reminding us that that the last time that she ate one. Um, the plumber asked, it was the same plumber who had been there before, the plumber asked if he could take pictures because his friends didn't believe him that there was a dog who ate water heaters, right? But what I remember about Lily was that um, beautiful, magnificent dog, and, and, and she was almost human-like in that she, you could see temptation on her face, and you knew that she was being tempted, Right? But we would take, I would take Lily out uh, through my backyard over to the old Olivet church grounds. I would sit down on that picnic table under that tree in the playground. And I would take her leash off, right? And she would run. She would run. And it was like beauty in motion. It was, I I never was a horse person, but it was like horse people must feel like when a horse is just... And she would go far edges of the church property, right? And she would look back, and you could see the temptation on her face, right? And she would look back, and for the most part, for the most part, she would run herself out, and then she would come back, right? Winnie, not so much, I can't control that, So, So we have one of those muzzle leashes. Have you seen those? Um, I know everybody's going, oh, because you're, um, mm, they ought to be illegal or something. But that's the only way we can control. Um, the, the muzzle leash, um, she spends about two minutes trying to get it off and then just gives in, right, and, and walks along with us along the way. What a picture for me of the way we were created to run. Freedom, right? Versus the way we often live, muzzled, you know, walking right beside the culture, and whatever the culture determines is the way we should be. Um, the apostle Paul is having none of this. The apostle Paul is declaring powerful truths to us in Galatians 5. First of all, you are free. Child of God, you are free. Not now in the political sense, because there's children of God all over the world who are not politically free. Amen? I mean, a strong case could be made that the bulk of the world, including people in the United States, are not free right, in that political sense. But he's talking about a much more foundational, much more important freedom. He's talking about a, a, a deep-seated identity freedom. And he charged us. He says, you are free and you are called to freedom, right? So, so how do we, as followers of Christ, living in North America in, in this millennium, how how do we uh, take his words? How do we live into that freedom? First of all, I just want to encourage you: hold on to it. It's it's already yours, right? Why would you give it away? Why would you? And do you, you understand what's happening is people are choosing circumcision who don't have to be circumcised, and, and they are they are uh, righteous and in right relationship before God. Without that, why would you choose? That kind of bondage, right, Um, Paul says, hold on to the freedom that's already yours. It's not a political freedom like we possess in America or anywhere else. Um, People often use these verses to rally political followers, and oftentimes it distorts the message of the Bible. But this is not a political freedom. This is a personal freedom, right? God has given us freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from guilt. Are there any sinners in the room? Sounds like a trick question, but it's not. Oh, yeah. If you are if you a guest watching on TV or here in the room, don't be confused, right? We are broken. We are broken, right? But we've been set free from the brokenness, right? And remember that understanding of guilt, um, if uh, guilt is, is, is not just an emotion, right? There's a, there's a reality that guilt is having done something bad. But our identity is not found in, in having done something bad. Uh, our identity is found in being set free from that. By the blood of Jesus, right? So we're freed from guilt. We're also freed from having to be perfect. Now, even as I say these words, um, the Sermon on the Mount is coming to me, be perfect even as your Heavenly Father is perfect, right? But that word perfect also has that understanding of complete, right? And for a lot of us, we have put artificial definitions of perfection on ourselves, and we cannot forgive ourselves when we fall short of those artificial perfections, right? We've been set free from even the need for perfection. Beloved, we've been set free from having to live uh, up to the expectations of others. Dave, I glanced over at you a moment ago. I remember when we were studying so many years ago about the different diversions in our life. We called them noises, and one of them was was the noise of other people's expectations. People frictions, all those different things create a background noise in our life. But many of us still live under someone's expectations and they might have died 30 years ago, right? And we still find ourselves. Paul says, no, no. You are free in Christ, right? But even beyond guilt and and the need to, to live up to perfection standards and and to the expectations of others we have been set free from the power of sin in our lives in a previous study we noted that that's different than the presence of sin right the presence of sin is still all around us we will live in the presence of sin until that day when jesus comes again but what christ did on the cross was deliver us From the power of sin. We no longer have to sin. It sounds so odd if you're not used to this idea. But but before we could not not sin, right? Because we were fallen. Our whole nature was corrupted. But through Jesus Christ now we've been delivered from the power of sin. And we no longer have to live in that condemnation. Freedom from guilt. From the burden of trying to be perfect. The freedom from having to live up to the expectations of others. God has given us freedom from all of these things. Our freedom is wonderful. Amen? Our freedom is life-altering. But here's the reality. We're not just set free from something, right? We are also set free for something. Right? In Galatians five, five through six, Paul says, "For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly await for the hope of righteousness." Right? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working. Through love. Again in verses 13 and 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is filled, fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, not only were we freed from guilt and sin, we were freed for faith. For faith. I don't know why I'm smiling, but I'm thinking I can just almost picture Lily's face when I first unclicked the, um, the leash off of her collar, right? And there's this look on her face like, are you kidding me? Right? Yeah. Um, the leash has been taken off, beloved. Now, now you are free to live Completely out of a love relationship with, I mean, it sounds weird to call myself Lily's master, your master and savior. You're you're free to completely live out that. So yeah, gallop, run, run. Uh, keep your eyes always looking back, right? To your master, because one day he may say, come near right now. I can see a danger that you can't see. Keep your eyes always On your master, but run. Run in that freedom. Freedom of faith. You're also free. says the love. Um, One of the oddities of of, um, loving my aging father is that um, his filters have kind of gone away. And so it is exciting to go out in public (laughs) with him. With an 89-year-old man who has no filters, right? And, and honestly, um, a pure heart, right? Now he's beat himself up about different things over his life. We've preached at him, God has forgiven you. We forgive you. Mom forgave you. We've preached freedom into his, his life. And, and he, he genuinely wants to love people. And so he will just go up to strangers, Right and say the most incredible things. And I'm thinking, we are all going to jail, right? <laughs> and so far, fortunately, most of the people that he's gone up to, um, we were laughing yesterday because we think it's the combination of the plaid pants that don't match the plaid shirt and the little Mario brother hat that he wears, the Luigi hat. But, but I think people are saying, you know, I think this guy's okay. <laughs> I think it's all right, you know, but, but I love it that he's free to love, right? And not everybody can receive it. um, But, but dad at least is at a place where he can dish it out. And Paul says one more, you're not only just freed for faith and for love, but also for service, right? Um, our freedom, use your freedom as an opportunity, not for the flesh, but through love to serve one another, right? To serve one another. As we began our ministry at Vogel School across the way, um, not really knowing how to do this, over and over again, the council of people who were engaged at public schools came to us and said, just serve them. Just serve them. No, wait a second. We want to. We want to... Um, bring the gospel to them. We want to establish relationships. We want to start Bible studies on on the school campus. We want to we want to do all these. No, just serve them, right? Just serve them. And now, uh, it's we've been there. We've been here for several years, but we weren't allowed on the campus for a while through the COVID years. Um, now, pretty much is that fair, Jordan? A year into it, <clears throat> year and a half maybe, into ministry. There, because we just served them. What do you need? We will give that to you. Now, we prayed on the side. Thank you. Those of you who adopted a teacher last year, or an administrator, or a custodian, prayed for them for nine months. Thank you. You know, because of those things, now the doors are wide open for the gospel there. So excited about it, right? Um, Because we love them and serve them, the doors for ministry are wide open. We have been freed from something for something. And freedom is about service, right? Not indulgence. God gave us freedom from the power of sin to become what he created us to be. This freedom in Christ is the realization that we are loved even though there is nothing in us that deserves that love. And because we have begun to realize that, we begin to realize even when we see people who don't seem to be deserving of God's love either, we're free to love them because the same grace that was given to us is now given through us to them. Beloved, you are truly and completely free hold on to it hold on to it right there's no um, bait and switch there's no kicker there's no if and or but right you are free you can you can mess up you can do it right you can do it wrong you can obey or disobey you can run from christ or you can run to christ you can choose to be a faithful follower of Jesus or you can be an unfaithful one. You can cry. You can cuss. You can spit. You can laugh. You can sing. Yes, you can smoke. You cannot dance, but you can. No, I'm just kidding. You can dance, right? You can read a novel or you can read the very word of God. You can watch television or you can pray. Irregardless, you are free. How are you going to use your freedom, right? Unfortunately, in many cultures, this liberating freedom is absent from the place where it should be most visible, right? How many of us have, have come across environments, Christian environments, churches where it just seemed like they put greater and greater burdens on us, right? And... And layers of guilt, and we're made to feel like miserable failures who need to do just a, a little bit more. That is not the gospel. The Apostle Paul says, "That is not the gospel." Hold on to your freedom, blood. Hold on to it. But let me challenge you also. Well, I'm not challenging you. The Apostle Paul is. Be on guard against that which destroys. Freedom, right? And I'm gonna take you all the way back to our to our studies of Genesis. Actually, it's from Genesis to Revelation. it's been such a privilege to cover most of the Bible with you over these years. in our study of God's Word, we've seen I'm not oversimplified, but say three things that destroy freedom. One of those things, right, is when things are added to the gospel. When things are added to the gospel, you need to have faith in Jesus Christ. You need to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you need to make sure you don't park in the handicapped parking place, right? That you tithe regularly, that you go to Sunday school, that you do. Those are all good things. But they're not gospel, right? They're not and the danger is when we add good things we say jesus christ and something is that all of a sudden one day we will have added something that is not a good thing right something that causes oppression and suffering rather than freedom for for the people of paul's day that issue was circumcision right but it was it was just a the The tip of an iceberg, right? It could have been anything in our culture today. It could have been baptism. What? You don't believe in baptism? Don't hear what I didn't say. I I believe in baptism, right? But baptism doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ does, right? You do baptism. You are baptized public, and I encourage that as a public proclamation of that, right? Well, what about even communion right? Paul says, as often as you do this isn't that interesting uh, he's, he's this is this is a gift you know receive it as a gift don't make it a legalistic thing right don't chalk up another communion on on your wall you know this afternoon. No, live into the beauty that it is, not the legalism that it is. I could go on speaking in tongues. People will tell you that you're not a follower of Jesus unless you speak in tongues. People will tell you unless you use the old King James Version of the Bible, then then you are following a pagan gospel, right? People will tell you a particular theory about the end times or the way to say a particular prayer, people will add stuff to the gospel that is not the gospel. Um, so, so beware of adding something to the gospel, but be just as aware of subtracting something from the gospel. We'll summarize the gospel here a couple different times in a moment, but let me just say right up front that if you take grace unmerited unearned undeserved favor out of the gospel you don't have gospel anymore if you take that step of faith right if if gospel just becomes intellectual assent to some dogma if if you take faith out of it then it is no longer gospel right so so i find that comforting because there's things i still don't understand about god after walking with him for 50 years, right? Um, there's things I still don't understand, but God is still inviting me to trust in Him, even in the midst of the mysteries, right? And certainly, and this is the hardest one for us, I think. Certainly, if you take love out of the gospel, it is no longer gospel, right? It is no longer gospel. God so, help me, love the world that He gave to um, so, so just as we can add things to the gospel, so we can take things out of the gospel. So, things added or subtracted are um, uh, are, are dangers. Can take away the power of the gospel, but but also people who add or subtract those things from the gospel. It's interesting. Um, Paul asks them this question, really pointed question in Galatians five seven. He says. Um, You were were running so well. You were like lily in the field, running in freedom, Galatians. Who hindered you, right? What happened? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? With false messages come false messengers, right? And, And so... We just put a word in there. Paul experienced it there in the first century. As soon as the gospel was out there, there were people who came in who corrupted the gospel, adding, taking things away, people who were doing that. And, and I spend a lot of time in, in residential communities and oftentimes people are watching something on TV. And I'm astounded by the things that the people on TV are saying, preachers on TV are saying, um, be careful. Paul says, don't let anybody cut in on you, right? Um, don't let anybody cut in on the gospel. Just as there are false messages adding or subtracting from the gospel, so there are people who will do those things. Always, always. Um, know that you at any point can take anything I or anyone else says and, and you have a backstop. You have truth. And and God has given through His Holy Spirit you the ability to to open the word of God and test truth. Test everything. Right? To see if it's true. And when you when it seems like it's not, don't don't be a, I can't stop it fast enough. Don't be a jerk. Right? In love, go to the person and say, come to me, say, Pastor Dave, help me understand, right? Help me, you're saying this, but the word says that. What am I missing? And so often it's a misunderstanding, right? But, but um, test everything you hear to see if it's, if it's true. Well, real quick, how, and we talked about the importance of guarding your freedom. Right, You are free. Guard that freedom. But how do you do that? M- m- many things come to mind, but let me just give a couple of things to help right now. How do we guard against uh, untruths, against false messages and messengers? Well, the best way is to understand the message of the gospel yourself, right? If you understand it, then you will be able to recognize False Gospels that might come up. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's completely unmerited on your part. It is a gift. It is the gift of God. Not the result of works. So that no one can boast. The message of the Gospel is that It is unmerited gift of the ability to believe what God says through His Word. It's a staggering gift to be sure. But it's still a gift. So understand the message. Uh, the, The Gospel is incredibly beautiful. Most of us focus just on the third aspect of it, the redemption aspect of it. But it's much more Beautiful than that. Come on up, worship team, if you would. It's much more beautiful than that. Um, but but start by understanding and living out the gospel yourself. But secondly, take on and, and I, I don't know if I was waxing poetic because I just added this this morning. Take on take on the posture of freedom. It's not what you would expect, right? It's not Mel Gibson painted blue. Starting freedom, right? Right as he led thousands to slaughter. Um, uh, the posture of freedom comes to us in that verse in Second Chronicles 7, right? Humility, right? Humility. Isn't that crazy? Prayer. Right? On bended knee. Seeking. Uh, I'm thinking of, of Proverbs 2. Just just seeking with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength the face of God and then courageously turning. When, when you seek the face of God, the Holy Spirit prompts you about something still not surrendered to Him, then courageously turning from our wicked ways. That's how freedom comes, beloved. You now, will people abuse that? Absolutely. But God is greater than those who would abuse that freedom. Take on the posture of freedom and become a good messenger of the gospel yourself. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, also in our communion um, words in 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, right? Paul received the gospel and Paul's delivering the gospel. Have you ever noticed? I know all the teachers in the room have. When you teach something, you learn it better than you ever did as a student, right? It's when you have to communicate something to someone else that you really are tested and you dig deep and understand. As you share the gospel imperfectly, As you do, as you will, as you imperfectly share the gospel, you will come to understand it. And watch out. Because there is nothing more beautiful than someone coming to freedom right in front of you. There is nothing more beautiful than seeing someone's heart set free. Don't let anybody tell you you're not free. Don't don't give away what Christ died so that you can have. Let's live in to the freedom that is ours. Oh, and by the way, do you remember the end of 2 Chronicles 7, 14? Maybe as we live into our freedom, God will heal our land. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for the freedom that is ours in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege that we have even now of celebrating that freedom through this, your body and your blood. Jesus, would you do that miracle again? Would you take the simple bread and the simple cup and would you make it the sacrament of the Lord's Supper? Would, it, would you infuse it, these elements with your presence. So God, as we feast on them by faith this morning, we will actually be spiritually strengthened, God, to live into the freedom that is ours. God, will give you the praise and we will give you the glory in Christ's name. Amen.